Hello, I'm Mary Spicer, and thank you for joining me for today's episode of Behind Fashion. In this unprecedented time, the fashion industry, like so many industries, is in distress. Around the world, we have gathered together to demand racial and social justice, and the hard work continues. I hope that everyone has voted. Our voices must be heard. 2020 has been all about pivoting, and we really need to pivot together. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce all of you to Corey Samuel Roche. Hi, Corey. Oh, hi. Hi, Wait, how are you? Here you are. Hi. <laughs> so good. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I know that you're busy. There's a lot going on. And um, I truly appreciate you taking the time to speak no, with Thank me. you for having me. I appreciate you. Um, before we start talking all things wonderful in fashion, I do want to check in with you. There is a pandemic happening. Um, how are you and your family doing at this time? We're doing as, as, as good as we can at, at, in this pandemic. Uh, my family is all in Michigan, so I am in L.A., and I'm the only one that lives in L.A., so it's a little, it's a little trying. You know, we do a lot more um, FaceTimes and Zooms for the whole family so we can just feel like we see each other. Um, and my sister got married October 2nd in Vegas. So they all flew, but I drove because I wasn't getting on the plane. <laughs> um, okay. But it was good to, I mean, I needed that. It was necessary for me to see my family. And they said the same thing. So I think we're doing good now. We got to spend a week together and uh, spend some good family quality, family time, excuse me. So yeah, they're doing good. Oh, that's so nice. And driving across, everything went fine, no snow? Because you have to go over the mountains or? No, um, I don't have to go through many mountains. Um, it's more desert from LA to Vegas. So it's really nothing, nothing from, once you get to like Inland Empire, Rancho Cucamonga, there's really nothing until you get to Barstow. So if you don't, fill up you should fill up prior to you know it's a but I love I'm from Michigan I love road trips I drive all the time so I was eager my friends were like we'll meet you out there we'll fly and I was like well somebody's riding with me so it was fun it was just a good little good old road trip three hours nothing bad you know yeah. so that's a nice reset um and I reached out to you because you're a highly sought after costume designer and costumer, um, which means you really know how people perceive each other. And um, growing up, we called this the New York Minute. Real quick, we knew who you are, probably what you do. You know, it's just- <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, people people wince at that now, but, um, and, and, and now today everybody's like, oh, it doesn't matter what you wear. Um, but many social experts know that all of us make some sort of an opinion about other people when we first meet them and it takes only seven seconds. Um, that's just human nature, isn't that correct? I agree. First impressions are lasting impressions. I tell people that all the time. And the first five to 10 seconds of you looking at someone, you kind of size them up. You already have an assumption or a preconcepted notion of what they're about in your head. So I agree. Looking at their clothing, are they tucked in? Are they buttoned up? I think. And I tell people all the time, you can tell a lot from people's appearance. The first thing I, 
And I'm horrible at this. And I think people think that I'm staring at them, but it's like, no, it's really not. I'm looking at what you got on. I start with the shoes. Shoes can tell you so much about a person, man or woman, you know, um, just how they keep themselves up. You know, Mm -hmm. their shoes are all messy, ran down, laces untied. Nine times out of 10, their life is in disarray. Like you go in their house, it's like junk everywhere you know, not the tidiest person. You just can tell a lot. You know, you have a stain on your shirt and you don't care that that stain is there. Mm. In my head, I'm like, your bathroom's probably nasty. So it starts (laughs) getting into, (laughs) but so it starts getting into um, how aware are you of yourself and your surroundings? Um, It's the little things, it's specifics. Mm -hmm. It's very intricate. Yes, the details, it's the little details, those uh, intricate little pieces of the puzzle. You know what I'm saying? Like like you said, your shirt's out. Oh. You don't care that your shirt's half out, half in? Well, now it's the style, it's called a French tuck. I was gonna tuck. say, I've done know? that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time now. It's a French tuck and um, I did it in Vegas and my mom was like, your shirt's undone. I'm like, mom, it's a thing. It's, it's a, a thing. thing, like leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell the difference between oh, it's weird because it's still kind of you still did it neatly. It's not like you just threw a piece of your shirt in the pants. Like no, you're gonna do it neat. So, and you're the costume designer for network television show promos such as Games People Play, as well as the costumer for Netflix's um, Black Excellent, featuring featuring Kenya Barris and Rashida Jones. Rashida, Um, but okay, full disclosure. When you said that to me, I had no idea what Black Excellence was. And I looked it up and it's, what? It's hashtag Black AF. Okay, yeah, I know what that is. And if anyone out there who's listening or watching this has not seen that, you're welcome. Because this is one to binge. This is a great, a a really great show. I absolutely love it. The outfits changes the characters, change. They even discuss what they're wearing. It's Mm-hmm. a wonderful view and and I think many of us do think as we're dressing what am I trying to say what am I trying to portray so can you tell me a bit more about this as a costume designer do you get a script ahead of time um to prepare and pull the outfits or how is that working okay so <clears throat> typically on a tv show there's a department of about 15 of us and you know, it has a department head, the costume designer, then number two is the assistant costume designer, supervisor, we have a key, a shopper, a set costumers, et cetera, and some PAs, production assistants. We, the first, we call it the design team, the costume designer, the ACD, the supervisor, and the shop, the key and the shopper. So it's five of us. We are who comes up with the concepts for the the clothes. So we'll read the scripts and then we'll go to the concept meeting with the rest of the producers and the execs. And they will give us what they thought, you know, especially some of the writers, which are some executive producers as well, because that is their baby. We're helping them bring it to life. So we need them to tell us what they were thinking for each character. So we read the script we go to the concept meeting and they inform us of what they thought. And then we go and do our research and bring it to life. And we'll do mood boards and we'll have another concept meeting. 
so that we can provide them the mood board so they can see what we come up with and if they like it or not. And that's kind of how we start the process. Um, we'll say, wow. hey, we thought this guy, you know, he plays basketball, you know, he's in his early 20s. So we're going to address him. Let's put him in something like Russell Westbrook. Like that's what the kids do now. You know, they're crazy. They like to live on the edge. And we can put that on the mood board and take it to the concept meeting and the executives say, no, that's too far for us. That's not what we were thinking. Or you're spot on. Right. That's exactly what we were thinking. And there you have yes. it. We've created, we've, you know, birthed a character. Yeah, sounds really easy. So you have a big, <clears throat> a big meeting to talk about what they're wearing, what they're thinking, what they're going through. You go and implement it in mood boards and then have yet another meeting to approve because sometimes you're kind of pushing the envelope, right? Sometimes you want to a lot a of times. Yeah, we have our own agendas because we're fashion, they're not. So, you know, we're like, we're gonna push this look because this is what's gonna catch the eye of you know the watcher, the viewers. This is what's gonna reel them in. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for instance, um, Kenya, when he went to Fiji in Black AF. He wanted to look like money. And so when you're in a meeting and someone says, I want to look like money, we're looking around like, well, you know, I know what that means, but that doesn't mean that everyone <laughs> in our department knows what that means, you know, and the designer for Black AF, uh, Michelle Cole, who has been responsible for majority of Black primetime television shows known to man from In Living Color to Martin to Bernie Mac, she's done them all. And so she's the designer. And so she picks us as her design team because she knows that we know our stuff. Mm -hmm. So when he said that, I immediately leaned over to her and said, Fendi, we gotta do like labely, you know, where it's monogrammed. And so everybody can see that you have on this $3,700 jacket or this, $5,500 sweatsuit, that's what he wanted. And so it's those key words, you know what I'm saying? And it takes a village, you know, it, it can never be one person, not on a TV show, it's, it's way too much work. And back to your comment, you said it sounds easy, the process, it is absolutely not I easy. Was, I was being <laughs> facetious. I, oh, okay, I'm like- I, I'm very dry, um, no, I'm very dry. Sounds easy. What I meant was, wow. So there's a yeah. lot of people, a lot of hands. It's a huge process. And sometimes, and I have to say, I've been in meetings where I thought we all understand exactly what they're saying. You come back with the mood board and they go, oh no, that's not it. I mean, money to one person is something different to another. Um, mm -hmm. And is it, is that person in fashion? Is that person not in fashion? Like at, at, from what angle are they talking exactly. about? Exactly, I 100% agree. Yes, spot on. You have yeah. so many different personalities, so many different people in this room that think they know fashion and it gets, gets under our skin because it's like, you hired me because I know fashion. You're hired because you know writing. So let right. me do my job just like you did yours. So let me suggest to you what, you know, but you have these people because they're in higher positions or because they have on the exclusive sneakers that just came out last week, they more, know more than you. When I've done this for years, you dress yourself. I've dressed thousands of characters. I've made 
thousands of TV shows, you know, like, let me do my job, you know? Yeah. And so I think, I think that's really important um, <clears throat> that we all have to trust each other. When you have a great group together, um, we Agreed. must trust each other to do our jobs, or maybe you needed to hire somebody else um, yeah. because we know what <clears throat> we're doing. And um, Absolutely. So Teamwork makes the dream work. However, you have to allow the team to be a team. You can't be the captain and the point guard and the forward. And you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. You can only play one position. Does nobody any good. <clears throat> it really doesn't. Um, so throughout the year, throughout the year, you must be staying current on what fashion is doing to get these amazing looks on these shows. Yes. What yes, I'm yes, seeing. Yes. So are there certain designer fashion shows that you attend to find out what's up and coming to, to do polls because you want to get the things before they're out on the shelves. Sometimes, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, especially because <clears throat> you have a, 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 a actor from your show is like, is enamored with your aesthetic. And so they say, hey, I'm doing Ellen next week. Can you dress me for that? And then so you're like, okay, I guess so. So yes, in those cases, you want, you know, you want the cream of the crop. You want it before anyone gets it so they can be the buzz wearing it. You know what I'm saying? And so yes. um, I go to typically in the when the world was normal, <laughs> not in the pandemic, I would go to both fashion shows, fashion weeks in New York, in men's and women's. Um, in addition to from the years of, being in this career, a lot of the designers that I have, you know, built relations with, or relationships with, excuse me, will send me their stuff, send me their lookbooks before, you know, it hits the shelves to see if I want anything, you know. Um, Bloomingdale's, the studio services department. I, I mean, you know, I'm gonna pat my own back, but I'm a lovable person. I have a really loud personality and I'm really like goofy. I love joking and laughing. And so I think because I come in with this genuine likable spirit, people just kind of uh, gravitate towards me. So even when I go to Bloomingdale's or Neiman Marcus or Saks, they're like, hey, Corey, I'm gonna take your information, you know, let's change phone numbers so I can let you know when things are about to hit or when the buyer comes and tells us that they have some new stuff that's gonna blow your mind, they'll text me like, hey, you need to come up here tomorrow. We're having a little preview. The buyer has done some new things, et cetera, et cetera. So all that matters, it all matters. And I gotta say, you know, when we're working for years and years, I've said to people so often, you know, it's been so long, like nobody needs to be mean. We don't need to work with mean, uh, angry people. And um, mm -hmm. at this point, I just don't have to. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, was just, I was just telling my mom that she asked me if I was going to go back to a, a certain show that I had been doing. And I said, you know, no, I think I'm going to pass. I think I'm good. She's like, why? First of all, my mentor, shout out to Devin Patterson. Um, <clears throat> she has taught me that you should only stay with the show for two seasons, maybe three and move on. You don't want to get pigeonholed. You don't want to get stuck. I mean, think about this. If I, let's say for instance, Modern Family. Modern Family ran for 11 years, 11 seasons. Had I done Modern Family from season one to 11, no one would know who I was because I've been on that one show for all that time. So when it comes to crew up for another project, 
They're not going to think, oh, Corey's available. Modern Family's done. They're going to stop calling. They're going to mm -hmm. feel, feel as though you have left the building. And so you want to just do two, maybe three seasons, move around, keep a fresh face, keep your face in different people's faces. You know what I'm saying? So that you can have a plethora of opportunities. And so now I'm at a point in my career where, no, I'm not going to take everything. Um, you do something that I don't like on set, it, if it's offensive, I probably will say, I'm going to bow out. Thank you for the opportunity, but I'm not going to uh, continue with this project. Um, I'm more than willing to assist with the transition period, getting somebody else in here. I'll give you three references, but I don't have to accept anything anymore. Right. And that's a great feeling. It is. It's a great it feeling. It's a lot of work to get there. And, you know, like <clears throat> you said, you're keeping your finger on the button for fashions as well. You don't know what's going to. So you're looking and working and searching um, around the clock uh, around, yeah, you you know, to, all year long. Absolutely. You have to eat, sleep and breathe fashion. Mm -hmm. This is not something that you can pick up uh, for a couple of days a week. It, it's not. Even if you were in the fashion just for yourself you're gonna to have to look at more than a couple things to figure out what you want and what's hot and what's not. You know, so like my Instagram feed, um, my news feed, like everything is fashion, you know, and I'm sitting around, I'm looking at what's hot and what's not. Yeah, and your work has also, you've done a lot. You've been featured in Insight, the Mother Daughter Experiment Celebrity Edition on Lifetime, Exile on WeTV, Tattoo Nightmares, Miami edition, The Real, multiple seasons of HBO's Insecure, and ABC's Grownish, um, Netflix's Dear White People, and On My Block, as well as you doing the press for NCIS, Dancing with the Stars, Blackish, and Mercy Street. And you also worked on Jay-Z's Family Feud mu music video, which included a huge list of who's who in Hollywood. I mean, I, it's just one person after another. Um, so when you're pulling the looks, um, are you, when you're pulling the looks, let's say for the video, let's start with the video. Mm -hmm. If you're pulling looks okay. for that, are you in contact? Cause now you're not in like a television show. Now you're in a music video. Are you talking to hair and makeup about the looks and the overall look? Like who's overseeing all of that? We try, we try to collaborate a little bit, um, but it's kind of po political as well. Mm -hmm. But fashion, we are number one because we set the tone. When you first on a, a TV show, a music video, a feature film, whatever it is you're going to watch, when you click that TV on, what's the first thing that you see? The fashion, the clothes, and then you go to the hair and the makeup. So we are, the first impressions are lasting impressions. And so in saying that, that's something that I relate to hair and makeup. You guys have to follow our lead. You know, mm -hmm. and um, no one really has a problem with that. Um, you have some people that try to buck the system because they want, and I get it, they want their work to be, you know, displayed and uh, put on a platform so the world can see. I get it, but it's not about you, you know? Right. So um, have I had to say something to some people sometimes? <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm a very direct person. I have no problem with correcting or saying what needs to be said we're adults and we all have a common goal in 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 mind and that's to make dope tv and 
we can't do that as individuals. So you have to take my criticism as just as well as I have to take yours. You know, yeah. I don't want, if she has on, you know, three patterns, why does she have big hair? That's going to be weird. Yeah. You know but what I'm also, saying? also, have you had situations, and we've had this um, at fashion shows, not necessarily fashion week, because we usually, there's a lot of communication, um, but mm. sometimes I, I've had it where there was a misunderstanding in communication. The hair is super big. She's putting on a, a shirt that is not a button up. It's not a zip up. You cannot get that hair through that shirt or that top. Have you had mm -hmm. those situations? I have. And that's when uh, you, the executive production producers get involved. Mm -hmm. They'll come and say, hey, this is not, or, you know, for me, in order to keep down um, confusion or, you know, any bad energy on set, I will go to the executive producer and say, hey, this hair is not going to work with this look. Um, I need you to come check it out. Right. We can't even get the shirt. We can't even get the shirt over her head. Like, <laughs> so, you know, and then sometimes they'll important. say, yeah, it's important. And sometimes uh, they'll want something or sometimes the hairstylist will want something, you know, major, like, oh, we wanted to have this big ponytail. So they'll come to us and say, hey, what is she wearing today? Because we wanted to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, um, we might have to put her clothes on first because there's no way she's wearing a turtleneck. And then you guys are just gonna have to make sure that those clothes are impeccable. You know, no product is on the clothes and they'll comply. And then, so everybody's happy, you know what I'm saying? So, but if you, it comes with experience, I believe, you know, you just wanna ask when you get to that point because you can do something, let's say we all get dressed we get her dressed and it's time for a hair or she goes to hair and it's time to get her dressed. You're going to have to do her hair all over again. Mm -hmm. You can't put on the shirt. So you just wasted four hours of your time and it was all beautiful. Well, and and hours now you have of to do production time, which is money out of their pockets. And that's going to be a problem. That's going to, you hold camera. You and I know if, if the camera is held, there's going to be a problem. Everyone's going to know who did it. Anyways. <laughs> so you for sure. Whoops. Um, you've also been covered in magazines such as Luxury Life, Parade, Women's Wear Daily, and Essence. And as someone whose career started on a very different path, you were in a Fortune 500 company. Uh, was there a specific moment, like an aha moment, where you decided to pivot to your love of fashion? I went to work one day. I was a director of international supply chain logistics for European Food Ingredient Company. And I went to work one day and I just was like, I cannot wear a suit and tie for 40 more years. I can't, this is not gonna work. I felt stifled. I mean, you know, I come from an era, well, my parents, because I'm, you know, I'm a young man, but my parents, you, you, I was taught that you have to find something and stick with it. Mm -hmm. So, and once you're making good money, you're stable, that's the American dream. You get your family, you get, you know, the house, the dog, the picket fence. It was like, uh, I gotta stay here for 40 years to get all that. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. And so I actually started to um, fast and pray and ask God um, to put me in my passion and my purpose and allow me to work through that. And as I started that fasting period, it just, 
started to be revealed every day, literally. Every day I woke up, something else was like gearing me towards fashion. And then um, I had isolated myself from my friends just because, you know, you want to be clear, you have to stand still and listen in order to, you know, receive it. So my friends were at a party and they were like, where, where's Corey? Oh, Corey is, Corey's Corey. He's on his spiritual like journey. He has <laughs> isolated himself. And so that friend texted me the next day and was like, hey, I heard about what you're going through. Let's link and have lunch. And so I did, we did. And she was like, you know, is there anything? I was like, well, you know, I, everybody keeps telling me that I need to go in fashion. I love fashion. I didn't know that it was a profession, you know, coming from Michigan, we didn't know that. But, you know, I can't give up this $200,000 salary. I just can't throw that away to start something else from the bottom and scratch and not have any money. So I don't know. And so she said, take a sabbatical and figure mm -hmm. it out. And I said, okay. So I took the sabbatical. You have, you know, six months to a year to figure it out. And that's when I was like, you either going to use it or get off the pot. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. That's really how it started. And so I came out with like a soft launch for a clothing line that I had envisioned. Just some sportswear. I wanted to have uh, three different uh lines you know from sportswear all the way to ready to wear to formal wear so i came out with the streetwear and it did well sales were going still selling t-shirts here and there you know i was like okay this is cool and then so people start asking me to kind of style them and i was like uh okay you know because you're eager you know mm -hmm. and i i went back and got three internships like i was in undergrad um and before the third month of those internships, I got a call to do Tattoo Nightmares Miami. Oh, yeah. And, um, and let me tell you, I, I mean, I'm a bona fide hustler. I mean, I went back, I went to Craigslist, mandyjobs.com. So I was doing odds and end jobs in fashion um, that I found from the internet. And at first it was for just for trade of pictures. Then it went to $300. And then I got my first feature film, which I found on Craigslist. Um, and after uh, I say probably two weeks left into the feature film, I got a call to do a Pepsi promo shoot called Drinkfinity. I'm at the Pepsi, Pepsi promo shoot. And I'm just a PA at this point, just, you know, just starting out. And um, my friend called me and said, hey, the uh, costume designer for Tattoo Nightmares Miami has just went on maternity leave. I'm about to have them hire you and fly you to Miami to do this job. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of <laughs> my <laughs> career. And I, I remember getting down there and, you know, I, and I'm used to things, you know, my, my parents weren't like poor or anything, but I'm like, whoa, you know, they pick me up in the band and then take me to the hotel and, I'm like, this is amazing. Then what really matters to me is when I got paid, I opened my check and it was like $8,500 after taxes. In addition to, I had all this per diem left because they were giving me like $150 a day. So I walked with almost 10 grand in two weeks. Wow. 
Wow. Even though I was making good money in corporate America, I was like, this is way better. Like $10,000 in two weeks, that's pretty good. And that was one of the prayers that I had asked for as well is that I needed to be even kill in regards to compensation. Like I didn't want to have to start my life over. I had already, you know, established myself. So I'm like, I can't go back to eating potatoes every day for the rest of my life <laughs> until yes. I get back on. Like, I can't do that. I did that in undergrad. I've come too far, you know? Yeah. So I was very grateful that I was able to jump in and start making the same monies that I was making in my previous career. Cause a lot of people, and that's, and I'll end after this. A lot of people have to chase their check. Being a stylist, you have to chase it. And yeah. I didn't want to be a stylist. I, I was like, I'm not chasing any money. Mm-hmm. How about I do the job, I render the services, and you give me a check for it. And that's that. And so that's what made me say, I'm going to do TV and film versus styling. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you've you have styled though. You've styled for Chanel, mm-hmm. Paul Mitchell, Reese ads, and your clients have included Carmen Electra, Tamar Braxton, Tamara Mowry Housley, uh, Portia Williams, and Marcus Shribner. Is it Shribner mm-hmm. or Scribner? Scribner. 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 That's mm-hmm. I knew as soon as I said. Mm. <laughs> Uh, you, so you're, you're styling for editorial, you're costuming for the TV series, some movies. Um, have you styled for politicians? And if so, who have you styled for? I have styled uh, multiple politicians. Uh, unfortunately, I can't name who I styled due to the MNDAs in place. Yeah. Um, and that's typical, you know, in, in politics, you really, I mean, even with Michelle Obama, we really didn't know who was styling her until after the fact, you know what I'm saying? Um, we didn't know who her hairstylist was until after the fact, you know? Um, Daniel One is, now he has a blooming uh, uh, clothing line in Neiman Marcus and et cetera, just from working with her. But it, he was so silent, it was silence. We didn't know. So yeah, it, it typically, that's how it typically goes in politics. but. It's fun. Well, how'd because, you start doing that? Is it because you knew somebody in politics or? I have a friend in politics, but she's a lobbyist. Oh. And so uh, her boss needed a stylist one day. Like she has all this stupid amount of money and looks crazy at work. And so my friend kept saying, I'm going to put you in contact with my boss because she needs you. And so she did. The result of that was she gave my name to many other people. And so that's how I got into the politics uh, side of the world. And, and I see that you had an interview in GQ and you were discussing politics and fashion, um, mm-hmm. how fashion is determined in politics. And mm-hmm. you were discussing how everyone uh, wants to wear expensive suits around Donald Trump. and. Um, I got to tell you, here's a picture of Donald Trump and he's where, listen, it's an ill-fitting suit. It's a long red tie. Let's start with that because I feel like there's a lot to unpack here, but um, what is he trying to convey with this ill-fitting suit? But also he's kind of worn this his whole life. Is this a branding situation or is he saying something? No, I, I personally think that 
Donald Trump is simply trying to hide his physique. He's trying to cover up what's underneath. You know, um, if you look, I mean, and like you said, it's consistent. So it's not like he doesn't know. I'm sure someone's told him like, dude, let's tailor this suit. You know, first of all, let's get a size smaller. Let's start there. <laughs> you don't need a long, you know, you see how long his suit jackets are? Yeah. You don't need a long suit. You're not six five, you know. Oh. Um, you're average. You just need a regular suit. You need a size down and you need a tailor. Um, but I think because we've never seen, he, I think he is hiding his physique. That's the main. Well, and, he, and he's not one, sorry. He's not one to, to listen to anybody. So if anybody's saying it, he'll say, yeah. And he's just going to wear what he's going to wear, which is really... To me, it's odd because he wants the best of everything. I'm sure those suits are incredibly expensive. And yet. Oh, for sure. For sure. But this is a typical example of, you know, money wasted. Like he has all this money, but he's not putting it to use uh, in a way that you or I or anybody in their right mind would do. There's no way I would have this amount of money because like we said before, first impressions are lasting impressions. Although he doesn't care. Right. When you go on, when like, let's say for the debates, had mm -hmm. he came out like, you know, Kamala and Kamala, excuse me, and uh, Joe Biden, nice and pristine, we probably would have said, wait a minute, something's changed in him. Let's listen. No, we're not because he is frumpy and... <laughs> <laughs> he's frumpy and ill-fitted the tie is too long like it's just like you look like a mess you look a mess, it's a mess. I, I can't look at it and and so clearly, i'm sure your mind is a mess because huh. yeah clearly. and money doesn't equate taste as we know and many are politicizing what everybody's wearing though so people are not only politicizing masks which we'll get to but what they don't realize is that the outfits that the politicians are wearing are communicating something. And um, it, it's communicating their beliefs, it's communicating what party they're in. So can you tell me some of the little things that those in politics are wearing um, that symbolize what their political affiliations and beliefs are? Well, I'm gonna start with uh, Harris. Kamala, she, I, if you look at her shoe choice, Oh, I do have her shoe. Hold on. Because we're going to come here, but you know what? Let's skip it. Because hold on. I'm <laughs> asking about Kamala. Let's talk about Kamala because we love Kamala. Um, so, shoe choice we have uh, Converse. Converse. She loves her cons. And I think that I don't know if you've seen some of the videos of her coming out of the planes in the different outfits with the different Converse. Yeah, she got, loves her chucks. Look and at loves that. her Tims. Loves yes. her Tims. Mm -hmm. And I'm here for it. But then I'm she's saying it. something else here. In the burgundy, the oxblood suit. Yeah. Oxblood. So, yeah. yeah, oxblood, which I love. It's a really rich color um, that combines red and purple, um, as we discussed, which are two powerful colors. Purple is royalty. Red is power, as is looked upon as power in politics. So mm -hmm. I think she combined the two. Yep. She combined royalty and power 
and brought in the ox blood so that it would not seem as in your face. I mean, just like with my cup. Whoa. We put the cup there, everything, now everything, that's the focal point. You're not even looking at me anymore. So don't come out in a bright red suit as a politician. They're gonna think that you are trying to be a dictator or, a, a, or create a tyranny or something. So yeah. no, you wouldn't wanna do that. Her shoe choice, I think is for the people. You don't see many people in politics wearing Timberlands or Chuck Taylors or, you know what I'm saying? Or sneakers for that matter. They try to do things like, let's not wear a Ferragamo like Joe Biden, which he was rich before he got into politics, but we're not, well, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but let's not do Ferragamos. Let's do a flow shim. A flow shim is universal. Everybody can afford a flow shim. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at some of the previous politicians, if you dissect their wardrobe, they're picking those, choosing those things to send messages to certain demographic of people to say, hey, we're for you. Look, I, I have on $50 shoes. I don't have on $500 shoes. You know what I'm yep. saying? We roll the sleeves up. I want to look like I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? Like I have yeah. a couple calluses on my hands. So those are different tricks. And that's, I learned that from working with politicians. You know, you have, they have a whole team. It's, you know, I might come and pick out, let's say, five looks, okay? And each five of those looks are being dissected by 15 people in the room. Mm -hmm. No, he can't wear that red tie. That's too much power. We need something striped, you know what I'm saying? So he can look more down to earth. Uh, the suit should not be, I mean, think about when Obama wore the, the tan suit. It was a catastrophe. It was, that was an abomination. That was the biggest deal. And I'm wishing for those days, that was the biggest deal for a whole month that he wore a tan exactly. suit. <laughs> and it actually looked really good. Yeah, it, it looked <laughs> clean and cool and refreshing. I personally am tired of seeing everybody in a Navy or black suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because you're in a political, just because you're a political figure doesn't mean you're restricted to those two colors, those two pantones. It's just, I yeah, thought so the tan Kamala, with the French blue shirt was great. So Kamala wearing the the checkered suit, maybe that's it, it's still a dark color, but maybe that's flagging kind of a change of the guard, a little forward thinking. I agree. She is yeah. she's giving us this is 2020, not mm -hmm. 1985. That's what she's trying to convey to me. It's like it's it's a new day, new age. We're going to become more modernized. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, I have to say this. I could not, I would not be Queer Roche if I did not say this. She comes from an HBCU as well. So a historically Black college or university. She went to Howard. I went to Tennessee State University. Those are things that we're taught in mm -hmm. school. You know what I'm saying? The subtleties. Let's, we're going to bring it out. Let's not do a Black suit. Let's not do a white suit. Let's do a houndstooth suit. Mm -hmm. because yes. we're going to show that we are set above the rest and that's how you do that remember i told you first impressions are lasting impressions so you know we see trump coming out looking frumpy but then we saw obama coming out looking very crisp and clean biden and kamala as well they're they're showing us so i think so I, I, go yeah. ahead no i i was just saying so they are saying a lot with what they wear and they Absolutely. know it mm-hmm 
Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's a team of five to 15 people in that room with me and the client, and they're all there for a certain job. They have a duty. Somebody's saying those shoes don't look relatable to the common people. You cannot go out there with those on. If you go out there with those on, I guarantee you're going to go down in polls 10% because yes. you're going to lose the working class. You know, so that's what's going on while we're in there. So it's not a typical fitting where, you know, five suits takes me 30, 45 minutes. We're in there for about three, four hours because we have to dissect everything, which actually keeps me on my toes and helps me out because the next time I have to do a politician, I take those things that I learned in the previous fitting and apply it. So now I know, don't bring it all red tie. Don't bring it, don't bring it all blue tie. Right. Just don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Even though you know that that's their taste, mm -hmm. don't put it in front of them because it's going to, it's going to, they're going to gravitate towards it. And then we're going to be in here with, in a debate with their uh, team. It's so, divisive. Yeah. Just don't even bring it. So they won't have an option. So when we, so when we're looking historically back and everyone says, oh, well, um, like this tragedy, Melania Trump wearing this. She was a model. All right. Mm -hmm. She understands fashion. Um, her team, there is a team with her. They understand fashion. When she wore this, um, it doesn't not mean anything. It wasn't accidental. Oh, no, it definitely was not accidental. It was very intentional. Um, <laughs> That's so sad. That's so it sad. Is. I don't even know what to say about it. I know, I'm just like, whew. I did a piece in BBC about that jacket on Melania. And like I told them, she was definitely making a statement and I think it was an outcry. I think it was an outcry. I think she doesn't want to be in the position that she's in. Yeah. And she she's like, whatever, I'm gonna do whatever I want. We've never seen her have a voice until the presidency. So, yeah. I mean, you know, she's never stood out. She's always like stayed in her lane and been quiet and just been the nice pretty trophy wife. And I think she's fed up with that. I think she doesn't like the way in which her husband is condoning himself in certain instances. And we can see that throughout, you know, the multiple times that they've been out in public and she's done things that I'm gonna say are unsavory for, the first lady and the president of the United States to be doing. It's just like, she snatched her hand away, you know, slapped his hand and things like that. It's just like, yeah, she really is just like going rogue right now. And yeah. I think that's what that jacket represented. I mean, it said, I don't really care, do you? And Why? I also think that maybe she's like, if you're gonna make me go out, this is what everybody's gonna talk about. You know, I'm a bank do these things um i will find a way to make yeah, it something sure. <laughs> so let's talk <laughs> about mike pence he started in 2016 he was buttoned up very well dressed i have a picture of him here donald trump as usual the jacket's undone uh, just mm -hmm. too long. um mm -hmm. and then here's a photo of him in 2017 now he's matching donald trump's tie color Mm -hmm. They're like two little twins. His jacket's undone. Um, what is going on? Why would he now start undoing his jacket? This is textbook. This is textbook. One bad apple spoils the bunch. Oh. 
in, in following the leader. You know, I, I truly believe that, you know, people rub off on people. If you don't have, if you're not centered and grounded in your own beliefs and thinking, you can be, you know, you can be wavered in any way, you know? And I feel yeah. as though for him to transition like this, I mean, we see a clear and distinct transition from him being uh, buttoned up and tailored to going into more of a frumpy. I mean, even in the last photo that you showed, his tie is even longer now. He's well, tying his ties. 2020, yeah. sorry, if anybody can't see this, it's him, uh, Mike Pence, Donald Trump, he has the same body language, the mm -hmm. long tie, the, lo the, you know, the frumpy look. They're in front of the military. You know, out of respect, you should have, uh, it's, I just, uh, I guess I'm just a fashion person, but it, it, it <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. He definitely is a follower leader. And I think it's actually going to be his demise. Like he, after this, he probably will not be able to do much more in politics. You think so? I think so. I don't think, I don't think someone, I don't think the world wants another Trump. I'm not saying that there aren't Trump supporters out there. I'm saying, I don't think they want another. We have it one. Seems like, yeah, it seems like everybody who tries to imitate him or really they're the fall guys. They're all the fall guys. Absolutely. Trump is going to be fine. He's going to go off into the distance. He's going off into the world. Falling. Making more, you know, business deals, bad decisions, exuding taxes. He's going to continue to do that. And they're going to fall on the wayside. I guarantee. Ugh. Let's look at um, Vice President Joe Biden, previous Vice President. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looks so nice. I'm sorry. Yes. I just needed a palate cleanser. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> nice tailored classic you know and we all know that biden wears nothing but money like last year they nailed him to the cross for wearing those ferragamo loafers and i'm like the man was stinking filthy rich before he even became the vice president so why can't he wear ferragamo loafers i have a pair of ferragamo loafers i mean they're nice <laughs> They're nice shoes. Like I enjoy. I have not really um, been disappointed in his clothing. I think it's very steady. I think it's clean. Mm -hmm. It's not like he all of a sudden came out with Ferragamo. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I love about Biden is his consistency. He's consistent, and that's one of the. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of his attributes, and it's like fluid across the board. It's not just in wardrobe, like even the way he uh, speaks and the topics that he talks about, very consistent. Very yeah, he's, consistent. he's pretty steady and, and uh, he means well. And, and yeah. most importantly, what I find politically is that he'll apologize because yes. nobody is perfect. None of our politicians are gonna be perfect. And I, I'm tired of everybody looking for a perfect politician. It simply isn't going to happen. We that's, just that's not possible. That's that's like unorthodox. Like he, I'd, well, I'd be scared if somebody was. <laughs> go, oh yeah, what are they hiding? Because they're gonna be the devil. <laughs> <laughs> We've already got that. Let's let's right. <laughs> and the final biggest fashion accessory of 2020 has been made a political battleground, the face mask. I do not need to show that to you. We all have them. <laughs> what do you think about it's being politicized? 
And is there a way for us to get over the idea um, that to wear a mask means you're, you're with a certain political party or that you're somehow weak? How do we break you know, that? I don't, it's, it's deeper than that to me. Um, yes, we all have to wear masks. And yes, it's, it's a little dangerous because it's like a free billboard, if you will, for people. So people are putting whatever they want on there and from their spiritual beliefs to their political beliefs to what fashion brands they like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like making everything come to the forefront. You're so aware. So now we see the people that are racist. Now we see the bigots. Now we see, you know, the, uh, I can't think of the word, I'm sorry. Yes, you see, you, you know, see. Like, what, who are these people that yeah. they're calling them militia? All right, sidetrack, um, but militia, <laughs> no, they're terrorists. They are not right. militia, they're terrorists. So let's just use the proper terminology. Absolutely, terrorists. You see all this now. Yeah. Before everyone was hiding. Now it's in the forefront. Yeah. So I don't know if it, it's, it's pros and cons to it to me because now I'm like, I see you. Hey, I'm aware. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody is. You know, every side like, oh. get away. Right. Just with the whole videotaping everything right now, people are starting to be a little more apprehensive of the things that they say and do in public because you are going to lose your job, <laughs> your friends, <laughs> and everything around you that matters to you. Just yesterday, an uh, uh, Asian guy got fired and uh, charged yes. with, uh, it wasn't assault. He no, got he charged. Was, he was yelling racial slurs at someone. In Scottsdale, Arizona. He couldn't be in somewhere public. Exactly. And the very next day, he Bye. lost his livelihood. Bye. It was probably that night. <laughs> uh-huh. What's that, the girl, it's a, it was a, a song. You about to lose your job. <laughs> it's okay we can say these things if we want to. yeah for sure for sure there has been enough that like oh i mean mm -hmm. good lord it just goes hand it's, it's so unacceptable it's so acceptable but uh, fashion makes us have fun so yeah yeah and uh, you know hopefully we can get over this this politicizing of the mask and everyone will behave and they will put on their masks and we can get back to work and we can have more movies and we can have concerts. I know, I think so, but I don't know because I, I did a job, I did the hip hop awards in um, just last week in Atlanta. So mm -hmm. they flew me out to Atlanta to do these awards and you know, it's all virtual and everything, but it's, it, I don't know. The South is open. Like I was walking around and I told you I'm a hypochondriac. So I had on my, my face shield, the mask, the gloves, mm -hmm. hand sanitizer in pocket, you know, cause I'm going through the airport with all these people that I don't know what they're doing. You know, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's and going anywhere. Masks. How no, is that not required in the airport? They were looking at me like I had the bubonic plague because yes. I had all that stuff. They were, you know, back in, remember before uh, 
pre-COVID, we you would see like some uh, some people in the Asian community with their mask on. And I never forget, I was one of my clients' makeup artists was Asian, and she came into the dressing room with her mask on. I said, "Whoa, do I need to be wearing a mask? Why are you wearing a mask?" And that? she was like, "Oh, I have a cold. Oh right. yeah, stay that then. Don't come up here. <laughs> you got something that's you know detrimental. You know so." They but it's a sign of respect. I, I'm it not is. feeling well, and I'm going to put a mask on. But we never got there. And I a- went to, no, we haven't. I went to a restaurant with some of my friends in um, in Atlanta, and they were like, we're going to go indoors. I said, I'm not comfortable with sitting indoors yet, you know, so let's sit out here on the patio. I got harassed by the owner of the restaurant, the security guard at the restaurant. Like, they all were like, oh, where are you from? I was like, L.A. They said, oh, we could tell you're not from here because you're all like covered up and everything. The South has been open. I said, that's because you guys are living on the edge. Yep. COVID is real. I, I don't, well, it's only 200,000 people. That's like less than 1%. I don't want to be a part of that 1% though. Oh, and heads up, we don't know what it does yet. And the reality Absolutely. is that a lot of this is creating blood clots and things like that. And I hate to divert, but we don't know what asymptomatic means. What, what is happening? You did get it. So what's happening? Is it something later? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. And I don't want whatever it is. The variables are just too high for me. I love my life. I cherish it. I enjoy it. And I have a couple pre-existing issues. I'm just going to stay inside for 600, Alex. Uh, it's just I'm not keep working. doing yoga on Zoom. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> right. when I can get exactly. out into the wilderness, I'm like, you know, all of a sudden I'm yeah. wilderness woman. <laughs> yeah, no. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, health nut. I exercise, you know, at least six times a week and all that thing. I run three miles. That's my jam. I can't wow. do it right now because one, the air quality in LA is just horrible. Like yeah. yesterday, it was snowing ash just from fire still. Here so, too. Oh, we it's have just, huge fires here in Colorado. Really? Yeah. So it's just not wise. You know, I have static asthma, so I just don't think I should go out there and run. So I've been forced to do things in the house, but I'm fine with that. You yeah. know, um, friends call and they're like, oh, let's go out to eat. Let's have some drinks. I don't want to go sit outside and pay $150. I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Oh. So, well- yeah. The <laughs> I know we're all stuck in the house. Listen, I I, I want to talk to you because we can do some Zoom yoga together. For sure. <laughs> it's always I better do yoga once people. a week. Yeah, I do yoga once a week because I lift weights and everything and I do a lot of legs. So I need to stretch out and, you know, so I'm Have you seen the bent it. arms? Anyways, that's also fashion. Don't do that, guys. You got to stretch back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corey, thank you so much. So very, very much for coming on Behind Fashion with me today and talking to me. This was such a great special edition. I know it went late and I appreciate it, but we were just, we were really cruising along there. Well, I mean, time flies when you're having fun and, you know, the camaraderie is great. You know, (laughs) our energies match like so much. It's just been a great, it's been a blast. And I wish we could do this for a few more hours. I could literally talk to you all day, like. Oh, it I doesn't know. seem like an interview. And I appreciate you so much for, uh, you know, thinking of me and uh, having me as a guest on your panel. I mean, That's I really good. did. Thank you so much. And, and keep making all the right moves out there. I mean, you are just 
really getting out there. Thank you. You know, I, the sky's the limit. Um, I don't, I want to retire in a few years. I don't want to do this. Um, I, I said I want to retire at 45 and 38. Mm -hmm. So, but I have some milestones that I want to do in the film and TV industry. So yeah, you just got to hustle. 2020 took a couple things away from us. <laughs> Because yeah, I have, yeah. you know, we, Andrew, I cup. Had my big listen, I have a cup for you. <laughs> I have to I'm waiting till after the elections with all of this mailing. Nobody mail anything, by the way. No, and, yeah, no, oh. don't do it. Well, thank you. I can't wait to get my coffee mug. Thank like you. I told you, I'm a mug connoisseur. I'll send you a photo with my tea. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. You too. Bye. 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 And thank you all for attending this week's Behind Fashion series with my very special guest, Corey Samuel Roche, one of Hollywood's most sought after costume designers and costumer. You can find him at his website, www.visionscoreysamuel.com. That's V-I-Z-I-O-N-Z-Y-C-O-R-E-Y-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also his Instagram, Vision, V-I-Z-I-O-N, by B-Y-C-S, Vision by C-S. Next week, I will go behind fashion with Baku Rambinotsua, joining me from her office in Paris. She is a fashion brand strategist, author of the book, The Fashionable Business Plan, and the founder of Fashion Cross Functional. See you next Wednesday, November 4th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, and 5 p.m. British summertime. All the best to you and yours.